2: We are protected, though we may be frightened. Our life you may not steal, though we may be scared to death. Welcome, creeps and peepers, to Scared to Death. I'm Dan.
3: Hey, Dan. I'm Lindsay.
2: And you are listening to a podcast dedicated to all things spooky that may also be true. Demonic possessions, hauntings, shadow people encounters, cryptid sightings, curses, sometimes even scary urban legends and folklore that may, however, loosely be based in some sort of truth.
3: That sounds right. And yeah. spooky.
2: Sounds spooky. Sounds
3: correct. Sounds spooky.
2: <laughs> Thank you again for the continued reviews and ratings online. Uh, thanks for the messages letting us know that for many of you, this is now, now your favorite horror podcast. It's an honor. So love getting those messages.
3: I know. I get those messages and it makes me so happy. And I see, uh, and I see
2: the reviews where people say that. It's very, very nice. Yeah. Uh, also, I keep forgetting to mention this. Search Dan Cummins' Get Out of Here Devil right now on Pandora. Oh, Yeah. To listen to my third one-hour special, seventh widely released stand-up album, now for free. it's uh, You can watch it on On Demand Cable, Amazon, elsewhere on April 28th. And you can listen right now only on Pandora. And you can watch my previous stand-up special, Don't Wake the Bear, for free right now if you have Amazon Prime.
3: It's a nice balance to the spoopiness.
2: <laughs> True. it's a, You can see he- here for horror, there I don't go for scares, and I do go for laughs. So yeah. uh, I keep forgetting to mention lots of other different kinds of free content out there that that people seem to enjoy.
3: And I'm a part of your stand-up. People mostly like me, so I mention that because...
2: (laughs) As a selling point? Whatever gets (laughs) in there.
3: Yeah, well, I mean, I'm just saying, like, Dan tells ridiculous stories about the things I do, so...
2: (laughs) Uh, Speaking of Lindsay, a deck of cards inspired Queen of Hearts tea. Oh, yes. Both black and white forms uh, and the Sumerian protection spell in blanket form. Now in the store at badmagicmerch.com.
3: Yeah, your requests have been answered. People wanted the prayer on a blanket, and we did it. Did it. Did it.
2: So, how many, how many stories do you have? Do you have two, I believe, today? I
3: do. I have two stories today, and um, totally not planned, just kind of mm-hmm. happened this way. Because, like, I have, you know, thousands of emails to kind of pick through, and I just do, 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 do. Both of them come from people who are military listeners, cool, cool. and are, both stories take place at military bases. Oh, interesting. hmm Okay, that's cool. Yeah, I was super happy it worked out that way.
2: Yeah, because we haven't had any, I don't think, that way so far. I don't think so. Uh, here are my two. First up is a strange tale of a Florida teacher who, in 2012, became convinced that some of her teenage students were possessed by demons. Okay. She took them on a very ill-advised, highly illegal field trip. <gasps> that sounds kind of that, fun. Yeah, ends with her arrest, so we'll talk okay. about that. Well, Florida. My next story is the tale of how Los Feliz's supposedly haunted murder mansion may have became haunted, and what Ooh. and what people claim to continue to see there today.
3: In Los Feliz, California, right? Mm-hmm. Yep, <gasps> yep. Down oh, I'm Los, su-
2: Los Angeles.
3: Los Angeles. Uh, I'm super intrigued by that because I wonder if I know this story already.
2: Uh, maybe. Yeah, it happened decades ago.
3: Yeah, well, I have uh, a lot of, of friends that live over there. So mm-hmm.
2: yeah. Okay. So, so decent amount of setup on this first one.
3: Okay, I'm just—I already have ready. my blanket on because good. I was freezing, but my my jacket has purple in it, and so I went with some purple pandas. See, I was doing like a matching thing, like see, like purple, purple. See, that's okay. all. I think that yeah, that we can, yeah,
2: <laughs> well, it all works out very, for me. For me, looks good. Looks good. Very. Uh, I'm a
3: news anchor mm-hmm. or a politician.
2: Very 90s, maybe. Or 90s mom. Maybe the strange stranger uh, things has kind of gotten into your head, <laughs> you know. The the I guess that's more 80s. 80s. Yeah. That's okay. okay, we
3: can talk about that later.
2: Okay, so as the sun set on June 9th, 2012, Daniel Harkins pulled a lighter, bundle of sticks, and some kerosene out of her purse. She was standing near the St. Petersburg pier in a parking lot that since the day was nearing its close was almost entirely abandoned. She checked her watch, it was almost 8:30. Perfect, she thought, eyeing the parking lot as she waited for the others to show up. Daniel was 35 years old. For the last five years, she taught reading and writing at the Lealman and Asian Neighborhood Family Center in St. Petersburg. People thought of her as a kind and supportive teacher who unfortunately had some personal problems, all of which went back to her husband. She'd been in a messy custody battle for her four-year-old daughter… and three-year-old son, and a year ago, her husband had been arrested on domestic violence charges.
3: Okay, so very unfortunate situation. Mm -hmm.
2: But she never brought any of that negativity into her work. Mm -hmm. Her colleagues thought of her as a creative and thoughtful teacher, someone who was really willing to put in the work to really connect with her students as human beings. She got along especially well with elementary school-age kids, but lately, something had been different about her. The normally sweet, kind woman sometimes had a dark and troubled look, Most assumed it was just due to her struggles with her ex. Some wondered if something else was going on. One day, she was walking by a neighbor named Lisa Cope's house. And uh, Lisa and Danielle were very close, but they were friendly. And this day, instead of exchanging their normal hellos or comments about the weather, Danielle fixed Lisa with a cold stare, then smiled and said the strangest thing. You're okay. You don't have any demons in you. And then she turned around and walked back towards her house.
3: That's fucking weird.
2: Mm Mm-hmm. Lisa, of course, thought this was very odd. She wondered, was this part of some practical joke that didn't seem right? She couldn't think of uh, a time that Danielle had ever told her a joke before, much less played one on someone else, but she didn't know what else to make of it. Around the same time, Danielle's students watched her demeanor grow darker and darker. Instead of the light, breezy way she used to talk, now she mumbled darkly, clenching her fists often as she spoke. Her lessons with them changed. She constantly corrected them, snapped at them, became more demanding. She made them write and read faster. She stood over them as they filled out worksheets, her eyes unblinking. The students who were teenagers wondered if she was on drugs. And then one day, their increasingly strange teacher said that she had a special surprise for them, something that would help them. She told seven of her students to meet her at a spot near the St. Petersburg Pier the next day.
3: Just seven of them?
2: Mm-hmm. Okay. And they did. It was a very small school. Okay, okay, from okay. Like could gather. Time now for the tale of Danielle Harkin's demonic cleansing. On June 9th, 2012, a Saturday night, these seven students gathered around a makeshift fire Danielle had made in an abandoned area parking lot. Her face glowing from the flames, Danielle then told them something that should have sent them all running. She said in a voice not quite her own, You all have demons in your blood. The only way to get the demons out is for me to cut them out of you (sighs) and then burn you so they can't get back in. Otherwise, they will slowly take over your bodies. I see that happening sometimes in class, and it will kill you. She told them to dance around the fire and chant, Leave me be. Leave me be. And (laughs) It's so crazy. And maybe because they were scared to upset her, maybe because they were curious, maybe because they somehow actually believed what she was saying, they did as she told them.
3: Oh, my God.
2: Did they have demons inside them? Was she going to help them? What was going on? Steven... Danielle suddenly barked, come here. Oh boy. Stephen obediently went to her side. She gave another student, a girl named Annie, a razor. (gasps) Cut him, she ordered. No. It has to be you. I will purify you after the demons are expelled. Annie looked at the razor and looked at Stephen's arm. She took a deep breath and pressed it into his skin. Shut up. A thin red line appeared. Deeper, Danielle commanded. (sighs) Open it wider. Stephen cried out, his eyes shut tight in pain, but he didn't attempt to free himself. Drops of blood spattered on the pavement below.
3: Stephen, get the fuck out of there!
2: Danielle waved Annie off. Hold still, she said. And she held a lighter over Stephen's cut.
3: Oh my god.
2: And then began to cauterize the wound. She was sealing Stephen's wound shut so that the demons that she believed had just been bled out could never enter his body again. Oh, it's so gross. Do it, she barked at the other students as Stephen moaned in pain. Here, she gave the students shards of broken glass, razor blades, and lighters. Do you want to die? No. Then get rid of your demons. In all of this madness, while Danielle still tried to cauterize his wound with her lighter further, the sleeve of Stephen's shirt burst into flames. Screaming, he tried to stamp it out, but the flames appeared spread to his uh, pants.
3: Oh my goodness.
2: No one call anyone, said Danielle. Her eyes wide, her face demonic into flame. She yelled, this is good. This will purify him. As Steven now writhed on the ground, another girl, Chelsea, looked at a broken piece of glass, one she was holding in her hand, and then looked at the boy standing next to her. <gasps> Tim. She thought about how he'd taken her on a date, how they'd fooled around in the back of his car, and then how she'd never heard from him again. Suddenly full of rage. Oh, no. Feeling just as demonic as Danielle kept telling her she was... She started attacking Tim with a piece of the glass. Fuck. She cut him on the throat, just below his Adam's apple, a long gash that shone red in the firelight. He clutched his bleeding throat and fell to his knees. I'm sorry, he said in a ragged whisper. Things were spiraling out of control. Danielle approached Tim and held up a key. With her lighter, she burned the key until it glowed red hot and then pressed it against Tim's neck.
1: <gasps>
2: Screaming in pain, he tried to get away, but Chelsea held him down. A few hours later, the teenagers were still standing in this parking lot. They were standing around the smoldering fire, bleeding from cuts all over their bodies, burns over all of those cuts. Danielle, looking more unstable than ever, told the scared and confused and injured teens, Don't tell anyone about this. We have to do this again next month, otherwise you'll become possessed again. And then Danielle and those teenagers staggered out of the parking lot and went home. And they did exactly as she said. They told no one. What?! Why didn't they tell anyone? Did they believe her? Did they believe that Danielle was actually cleansing them of dark forces? The teens hid their wounds from their parents. Stephen had third-degree burns that he wrapped up in ace bandages.
3: Oh my god!
2: For the next few weeks, it was as though nothing had changed. The kids still went to class, where they saw Danielle smile at them from behind her desk. And then one day, Stephen was texting a friend about some homework when the friend asked if he was okay. The friend wanted to know if he'd hurt himself playing sports because he'd noticed that Stephen had been moving a lot more slowly than usual lately. Stephen hesitated and then texted back, A weird thing happened with my teacher. He told him everything. And then the friend told his mom, who then called Stephen's mom, and the school where Danielle worked, and the entire demonic cleansing ritual was soon exposed. Oh, good. The press went wild with the story, writing headlines like, Teacher forces students to perform satanic ritual. The parents of the students involved were, of course...
3: Of course.
2: They believe that, had she not been reported, Danielle wouldn't have stopped until someone died. Danielle Harkins was arrested on one count of child abuse and one count of aggravated battery, and she was held on a $55,000 bail. The police wondered what else is going on. Was it possible it was just this ritual, or were there more secrets these teens weren't spilling? If there were more secrets, the police never found out. In 2014, after serving just a six-month sentence, Danielle was released from prison on her own reconnaissance, and she promptly disappeared. A police officer in St. Petersburg went to her house, rang her doorbell shortly after her release, and Danielle never answered. Wow. The house looked dark, all the curtains shut, and there wasn't a car on the driveway. And no one named Danielle Harkins, who matches her description, has been heard from again by basically anyone in the years since. What happened to Danielle? Danielle. Did she have a psychotic break brought on by the stress of her custody battle? Was she suffering from mental illness? The court did deem her fit to stand trial. Did she really see demons? Is that possible? And if so, is she still haunted by them today? We'll never know for certain. I can't believe she just disappeared. I know. What a weird story all the way around. But
3: her kids and her husband, are they not looking for her?
2: It, you can't find anything online. There's no press. I mean, the press was interested in this story. It, it appears the press did try to find out. Right. I looked up on all, like, the major social media platforms uh, because there are pictures of her around the time of her arrest to see if, like, any of the profiles matched her pictures. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I'm guessing there's a good chance. I mean, I'm, I would think she probably is still around. hmm I'm guessing she changed her name.
3: I'm guessing. And she probably did move.
2: Right. She probably right. moved, changed because- her name, and then changed her overall appearance. Like, yeah. you know, different hair color, mm-hmm. different, totally different haircut. I mean... You're not going to want people. You're not going to want that to follow you around.
3: No, no. No one's no. going to want
2: to be your friend. No one's going to want to ever let their kids around you.
3: Well, and she probably. I mean, after that, she was in a custody battle. So then she was probably right. deemed never to be able to see her children Jeez, without supervision. Yeah. I mean, I would th- I would think that c- full custody then went to her ex husband. Yeah, I- I'm assuming husband ex spouse, but I mean, that's crazy. It's
2: crazy that she got the students to show up there.
3: Steven, third degree burns. I know. And also, I was thinking. How do you let your kids go to a nighttime field trip with the teacher?
2: Oh, I'm sure they weren't like telling. Well, they, I mean, they didn't tell their parents or or, they, or she would have been uncovered earlier. I'm sure it was something where they made up excuses. I mean, this what's interesting about this story is it is – it's like the articles aren't like, um, oh, from like a Reddit thread or from some ghost kind of website. I mean, it's just yeah. – it's news. It's like, you know, Florida news coverage. right. I mean I mean and we do have some pictures that speak to that. I mean this this first picture is Danielle being charged in court.
3: Okay, totally normal like cute young teacher looking person.
2: Mhm. Like this next one is the mugshot.
3: So you know, I mean, yeah, she looks fine.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, this is her eyes
3: look a little crazy, but <laughs> I'm sure it's just stress of like well, sure. everything that just happened.
2: And this is the only Facebook image I could find uh, of Danielle. I mean, it was like an old Facebook before her account kind of like went down. Okay. And that's the only one I could find. And then uh, this last one is uh, what comes up when you Google "woman who sees demons."
3: Perfect. It no, looks no, just no like idea Danielle. It's from.
2: So there's maybe that's how Danielle looks. They now. have the same red hair. <laughs> they do have the same red hair. Okay. I just think, like, like with, with something like this, you can obviously go to, well, like, mental illness. But you could say that about so many of these stories. But she
3: was deemed fit to stand trial.
2: I know. She was deemed fit to stand And I think that would be the absolute worst if you really did get possessed by some entity that just made you do some super dumb shit like this. Right. That then ruins your life. Like, how sad for her. Mm-hmm. If we're gonna go with this possibility that these things can be real, which I guess, you know, is the premise of the show. Right. And one of those things got in her and then made her do that crazy shit in the parking lot. It fucking destroyed her.
3: I I am with you a thousand percent. I am more concerned about the kids who didn't tell anybody. There were seven or eight of them, seven of them, and not a single one of them. Like, I know what I was like as a teenager and I was rebellious and secretive, but when... When something that I was concerned about happened, like, if I had a friend who uh, told me that, like, they had been date raped or I had a friend who was, you know, maybe in a home situation that, like, was sharing some things about, like, oh, yeah, like, my dad gets drunk and hits me. I always told my mom those things, even though I was, like, secretive and lying about sneaking off to parties and all of that. I also knew... That if someone was in trouble, or if I was in trouble, I could tell my mom without yeah. judgment, without being grounded. Yeah. So like This what, this school this is fucking crazy. I, I could
2: I was able to find an address for the school of this kind of like this strange name, this um community Asian, you know, neighborhood school thing. Yeah. That and, and like a, a couple pictures. Oh, yeah. Were and, all the students Asian? No, and they weren't. And
3: so my, I was trying to think my, it was like a cultural thing, like you don't know s- my
2: read on this school, and I could be wrong, yeah. but just kind of looking at the pictures, I mean I don't know how to say that. I'm trying to say this the, mo- the nicest way possible.
3: Was uh, it like a low income kind of situation? No,
2: it was. I grew up around a lot of kind of fundamentalist homeschool. Okay. You know, kids that like uh, would go to certain interesting retreats that were like very, very yeah, I went extreme. On religious retreats. Right. It, but it like don't you, to me. No, but you went to like Catholic ones. This is like yeah. way more extreme than that. Well, well, my way more fundamentalist.
3: Yes, yes, asterisk. Yes, mine yeah. were Catholic, but like there was praying of hands. There was like oh yeah, like, all stuff. of that. There was some. But pretty- you also
2: like had some fashion stuff, like these. This, when I saw the picture of these kids, yeah. I was reminded of the kids I grew up around in the sense of like, you know, very much like um stereotypical homeschool look,
3: mm-hmm.
2: you know, like... like a, not
3: exposed to a lot of things. Very sheltered. Sheltered, that's lot, lot, what lot of A
2: lot of like flowy bowl cut type situations. A lot of moms cutting these kids hair.
3: Right, right. So they're just not... So what you're saying is... I think
2: it may have been a religious... And based on the class size.
3: Yeah.
2: And I couldn't verify this for certain. But my gut strongly assumes that... This school was a – probably like an offshoot of a local church or something. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. And so you think what?
3: That they would get in a lot of trouble?
2: No. I think these are probably kids who believed very much in these types of things anyway. Mm -hmm. So like at a public school, if your teacher is telling you, we got to meet in the parking lot because you might be infested with demons – Very, very unlikely unless you're just going for the story, the amusement that you're going to go. Right. But if you're somebody who is in a more like fire and brimstone kind of congregation where you're very much into that kind of stuff, you're hearing about that kind of stuff on Sunday. Yeah. And then you have this teacher who's like, I – Who kind of feeds into that in a different way. Takes it a little further. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm totally okay. speculating, but that—that that was my after looking at after looking at all the information I could find. Right, it. that's that's the guess I made.
3: Well, and it's not like from the get go she said meet me there and then I'm going to cut demons out of you. She just no. said meet me there, and then when they got there, it was like yeah. you're all infested with demons. So it was, none of the
2: sources said exactly what she told them to get them there, but I mean, I mean, but, but that's I'm guessing like it, what you're saying. I'm guessing she didn't lead with hey, let's hang around this fire. And I'm gonna cut cut you guys up and get you right. to cut each other and then I'm gonna burn your wounds with a lighter. But
3: even after that, I just can't believe Stephen, with his third degree burns. Maybe she's didn't
2: super charismatic.
3: Tell his parents well just the amount of pain he would be in.
2: What if she what if she convinced him though that like it put his How parents do you in hide danger? Just cl- the right clothes?
3: Just the constant pain and like his friends are like, You're moving funny. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't don't know. The whole thing is just bizarre. It's
2: super bizarre. Super
3: bizarre. Immediately also, like, I follow this weird Instagram account that's like headlines like that, but Mm -hmm. they're only Florida-based. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I don't know that Instagram account. (laughs) So I have family in Florida. It's nothing against Florida, but it's just like it's a funny Instagram account.
2: I've talked about that so much. People who live, like, done so many stand-up shows down there over the years, people living in Florida are well aware that they live in one of the weirdest states in the country.
3: So bizarre.
2: Mm-hmm. Like, like it is preposterous. How many outrageous Darwin Award type headlines? Yeah. Or, or just like crazy shit. Like, naked lady smashes her car into Burger King, <laughs> high on meth, and yeah. it's like ninety-nine. If that happened in the U.S., ninety-nine percent chance to happen in Florida.
3: It's so weird. What's going on in Florida? What's in the water?
2: <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. It's like the, there's a different. I will say from like doing shows over the years in all the different states. Florida has its own vibe, for sure. And South Florida is different than North Florida. Okay. But it but it's a party state. True. It's where so many people, you know, like, well, not obviously— so many obviously, people go to to party. Right. It's kind of like Vegas has its own, you know, vibe. People, like, yeah. People go to Florida in general to party. And then a lot of people who move to Florida, unless they're moving for golf and just to kind of like warm weather when they're older, mm-hmm. they're moving to party. Yeah. You know? And, and even some of the stuff I've heard about the retirement communities, this one, I think it's called like the— it's oh, it's where our Shady buddy Joe. Pines? No, it's where our buddy Joe has like this investments. But it's a huge. It's become a giant city. I mean, it's like over a hundred thousand people. It's a giant, like maybe the biggest retirement community. And I've heard stories about like like these elderly people putting certain things on their cars that signify what they're into sexually. <laughs> There's like a senior citizen hookup culture <laughs> in this one, and I'm like, and of course it's in Florida.
3: I love that. Yeah, can yeah. we retire there?
2: <laughs> sure. Sure. Get real weird. last. Yeah, Yeah. why not?
3: Well, we're already pretty weird, so (laughs) let's just take it to the next level for all of our time suckers who know that last week's time suck was the sex suck. Sure. It's it's suiting. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What are the things that weigh you down on a day-to-day basis? What kind of stress are you holding on to? Do you spend much of your day going over things in your brain over and over until they are so distracting it affects your mental health? Well, don't worry. You're not alone.
2: We all carry different stressors, some big, some small. When we keep things bottled up, the results can be negative. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest without fear or judgment. It's a place to work through what is heavy on your mind and heart so that you can feel lighter and happier. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Scared to Death today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, hel dot com Scared to Death.
3: Summer is just around the corner. Who's excited? I know I am. I'm obsessed with the honey yogurt pancakes for breakfast, the pork El Pastor for lunch, and the cilantro lime barramundi for dinner. So easy and saves me so much time.
2: Head to factormeals.com slash scaredtodeath50 and use code scaredtodeath50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code SCAREDtodeath50 at factormeals.com slash death 50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active.
0: If a friend asks how you're doing and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is,
1: I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there.
0: Because if I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free, confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel.
2: (laughs) Perfect, perfect. Okay, so this next one... similar in a way similar in a way of like oh my god what if what if this person got something inside of them that made them do something really bad out of nowhere okay similar thing where somebody who had a great reputation and then all of a sudden snapped and did something real crazy. crazier this, this next one
3: okay so this is like if all of a sudden i was possessed
2: god i hope not because that's but doesn't bode well for our family
3: okay noted
2: okay so a little so bit be of setup. Good to me <laughs> decent amount of setup uh in 1959, the Perelson family lived in the Los Files hillside neighborhood of Los Angeles at 2475 Glendower Place. Oh my
3: God. I'm not kidding you. One of my dearest friends lives on Glendower.
2: Okay. I thought <gasps> you were gonna say that exact address.
3: What what's the address again?
2: Two four seven five Glendower Place.
3: Well, I don't want to say her address. Sure. But sure. it's in it's close. They, they would not be that far apart from one okay. another. Holy shit. Oh, I'm so invested now.
2: So Spanish revival style mansion with a ballroom, four bedrooms, even quarters for servants. Uh, designed by architect Harry E. Weiner in 1925 for I think Harry it's Weiner, it's spelled Weiner, but maybe it's Weiner. I'll Weiner. go with Weiner. Okay, Weiner, Weiner sounds more dignified—the the
3: Jewish pronunciation.
2: So, okay, so it's not um, Mr. Wiener. Uh, detected Weiner. Detected by uh, by architect Harry E. Weiner in uh, 1925 for Harry Schumacher of the Schumacher Distributing Distributing Company. The estate was later owned by German silent film director producer Frederick Zelnick. Arched doors, windows framed the front facade with a grand entrance opening to a step-down living room. Dr. Harold uh, Perelson was a prominent surgeon specializing in cardiothoracics and allergies. He'd grown wealthy off a successful and profitable patent for a new type of syringe, and 10 years earlier, he'd written one of the most respected clinical reports of the time related to cardiology the electrocardiogram in familial periodic paralysis, featured in the magazine American Heart Journal in June 1949. He'd become a well-respected keynote speaker in medical conferences all around the country. He was assistant head of cardiology for the School of Medicine at USC. He was on the surgical teams of cardiology at Los Angeles County General, Cedars of Lebanon Hospital, and the Santa Fe Hospital of Los Angeles. He had three happy and healthy kids and a loving, beautiful wife. Dr. Perelson's life, by all accounts, was a storybook life of wealth, fame, peer respect, and a beautiful family. He was incredibly successful, and he seemed, by all accounts, to be very happy. And this is what makes the events that took place in the early hours of December 6, 1959 so especially confusing. The previous afternoon, Dr. Perelson came home from work, greeted his wife and kids, fixed himself a drink, and casually watched his wife wrap Christmas presents while she waited for dinner to be ready. Although they were Jewish, the Perilsons had recently begun celebrating Christmas with their friends and coworkers, enjoying the additional sense of community it brought to their family. Chrismica. Chrismica. Harold's wife, Lillian, was a wonderful mother and homemaker and called the family together that fateful Saturday evening for dinner at the table, where they sat eating and talking about their week at work and school. Harold and Lillian's eighteen-year-old daughter Judy talked about her friends and a boy she liked. The whole scene was right out of a Rockwell painting, uh, like a Nor- Norman Rockwell. I, I, painting. I know okay, who that is. I, I should have. Okay. <laughs> After dinner, the family stayed up to watch a bit of television, and then Lillian and Harold tucked their eleven-year-old daughter Debbie and thirteen-year-old son Joseph into bed. Judy went to her room to work on some homework, while her mother went to the master bedroom to read. Harold remained downstairs until he knew his wife was asleep, and then he went upstairs to read his copy of Dante's Divine Comedy until he himself fell asleep right after marking a passage he found personally compelling. In this early 14th century Italian narrative poem, three different guides take the author and narrator Dante on a tour of hell, purgatory, and paradise. When in hell, the ancient Roman poet Virgil shows Dante sinners hopelessly enduring torture as eternal punishment for their sins. Curious book to be reading right before Harold did what he did. Time now for the tale of the Los Files murder mansion. Sometime around 5 a.m. the morning of December 6th, nearly two hours before sunrise, Dr. Perelson placed the book he'd been reading on the nightstand, went down to the kitchen where he kept a small tool chest. He grabbed a small but heavy ball peeing hammer and casually walked back to his bedroom where he approached the bed where his wife was sleeping soundly. Oh, dear. He stood gazing down upon her for perhaps just a moment, maybe longer, staring at the woman he'd loved for over two decades, the mother of his children, standing there in the pitch-black darkness of their room, staring down at the woman he now prepared to murder. Why? At some point, he raised the hammer and in one swift motion, BAM! (laughs) He brought the hammer crashing down on Lillian's head and then he ripped the hammer back and slammed it down again and he did this over and over and over, sometimes having to pry the hammer loose from the bones of her skull and face and he hit her again and again and again. Jesus. Not saying a word as he did so, trying not to wake up the children and he turned what was her head into a bloody mess on her pillow. Then he took his hammer his wife's blood dripping from it and leaving a trail, and he walked down the hallway towards his daughter Judy's room. Oh, no. He must have been quiet, for he'd barely woken up Judy right before he hit her. Judy screamed as the hammer came down towards her skull, just barely managing to get one of her arms up and in front of her to soften the blow. Her father's hammer still connected with her head, just not with enough force to kill her, but it did daze her. The force of the blow stunned her, disorientated her, also cut off her scream. Luckily, her scream had already woken up her younger brother and sister, and also some of the neighbors. Dr. Perelson heard his youngest daughter emerging from her bedroom, and thinking his oldest was incapacitated from hitting her with his hammer, he left Judy's room for a few moments to attend to his youngest child. Oh my god, get the fuck out, little one. Perelson found Debbie in the hall and calmly walked her back to her room, telling her, Go back to bed, baby. This is just a nightmare.
3: Oh, my God.
2: Then he returned to Judy's bedroom to kill his daughter.
3: Judy, where are you? Did you run away?
2: While Dr. Perelson had been busy calming down 11-year-old Debbie, Judy Judy did run away. She'd regained some of her senses, had fled the house. She made her way to the neighbor's house, who awakened from the screams, quickly came to the door. The neighbor, seeing the blood streaming from Judy's head, immediately notified police, who called for an ambulance and sent patrol cars to the scene.
1: Yes!
2: Meanwhile, young Debbie... Who had not believed her father that she had been dreaming, ran into her 13-year-old brother's room, woke him up, and they fled from the house before their father could use the ball-peen hammer on them as well. I love them. The doctor, knowing full well that the police must be on the way, went back upstairs, got a bottle of pills from the medicine cabinet, sat down on the bed, took them all in a single gulp. More than enough to kill him. When the police arrived, they first went to speak with the neighbors and the children to make sure that they were okay. Dang it. Judy was immediately sent by ambulance to the hospital with a fractured skull. She'd survive with no lingering physical injuries. As the officers approached the door to the Perelson home, another neighbor informed them that he'd been knocking but had gotten no response from anyone inside. They carefully entered through the front door that had been left open by the children fleeing, and they called out to Perelson but were met with silence. They went upstairs and found Harold Perelson lying on the floor in his bedroom, the ball-peen hammer bloody and still in his hand an empty pill bottle on the floor next to his dead body his wife Lillian was in the bed her head fractured so badly it was completely unrecognizable blood was spattered all over the wall behind her and the bed linens were soaked on the nightstand next to Harold's side of the bed the book by Dante that he had been reading was still open to canto one it read midway upon the journey of our life I found myself within a forest dark for the straightforward pathway had been lost The investigation that followed was pretty straightforward. It was obvious by the scene of the crime and the statements of the children and neighbors that Dr. Perelson had murdered his wife, attempted to murder his oldest daughter, and then had killed himself via overdose. What no one understood was why. Right, why? All of the neighbors would say the same thing to investigators. The Perelson's were a loving family and showed no outward signs of strife. However, when the police made a routine search of Judy's car, they found a letter she'd written to her aunt that said... We are on the merry-go-round again. Same problems, same worries, only tenfold.
3: What does that mean?
2: My parents are in a bind financially. The letter then went on to say how she would be looking for a job to be able to help the family through this crisis. Apparently things were not what they seemed to be on the surface. Even the rich can easily find themselves in dire financial straits after a couple of bad decisions. Some believe that Harold had snapped due to the pressures of his apparently deteriorating finances and had decided that the death of his family would be preferable to living with worry and in poverty. Investigators assumed that had his attempt to kill Judy been successful, he would have then attempted to kill his younger children. We'll never know for sure if that's true or not. After the furor had died down and the press no longer deemed the events of that night newsworthy, the mansion was sold at auction, with the proceeds going to settle the estate's debts and the remainder going to the children. The wealthy couple who purchased the home, Julian and Emily Enriquez, only visited it on rare occasions and used it for storing items they didn't want in their home. In effect, they bought a mansion to be used as a storage shed of sorts. Okay. Over the years, they'd visit the house to either bring something new into the storage site or to remove an item, but they didn't live there. And they did that for over 30 years. That
3: is so weird.
2: Mm-hmm. When Julian and Emily died in 1994, ownership of the mansion passed to their son, Rudy... Most of the neighbors expected the house to finally be renovated and either sold to a new family or rented out, or they figured Rudy would move in himself. None of that happened. Rudy continued to use this multi-million dollar house as a storage facility. What the heck? Was he afraid to live there? Were his parents afraid to live there? Rudy came by even less frequently than his parents had, and soon the neighbors complained to the city that the home was being used as a squatter's hangout. Other times they told how prostitutes would come in and use the home for entertaining their tricks. The house fell into disrepair. Soon it looked like a home where something horrible had once happened. Mm -hmm. Then came the ghost hunters. Oh, boy. Now the house is mostly known as the Los Los Files murder mansion. Uh, Numerous paranormal investigators have spoken of hearing strange disconnected voices and unintelligible whispers while roaming around inside the house. One investigator swears that he has felt the presence of extreme evil permeating the very walls of the home. Ghostly orbs have been spotted throughout the home and on the grounds on numerous occasions. Many have been photographed within the home through the windows. Various investigators claim to have heard the sounds of screams and moans in the early morning hours before the sun comes up. Yeah, I bet. A few have reported hearing the sound of a woman distinctly calling out NO in a terrified voice. Uh. Followed by her frantic screaming, and then the screams are abruptly cut off. The silence is followed by the low moan of a male who sounds as if he is in distress. The moaning goes on for a short while until all is again silent. Could these be the sounds of Harold killing his wife and then his sorrowful moans once he has realized what he has done? Perhaps the most commonly reported paranormal occurrence in the Los Files murder mansion is also the creepiest the face. Uh Uh-uh. Several different ghost hunters have reported seeing a strange, ghostly face appearing in and then staring out of the windows of this old mansion. (sighs) The reports all seem to be the same. They see the face of a woman. They see the face of a woman staring at them through one of the upstairs windows. She'll gaze directly at them for a few moments with a sorrowful expression on her face and then simply vanish from sight. Many have claimed to photograph this apparition, but then when they look at the picture they've just taken, she's nowhere to be found. (laughs) Huh. Finally, if wondering what happened to the per- uh, finally, if you're wondering what happened to the Perelson children after their father's descent into madness, uh, no one knows much. Oh! After surviving the worst night of their young lives, Judy, Debbie, and Joseph are rumored to have traveled east to live with relatives, and then they promptly vanished from sight. It's assumed that their names were changed in an attempt to protect them from the notoriety that followed their father's crimes, and it seems to have worked. Why Dr. Perelson killed his wife and tried to kill his children remains a mystery. We'll never know exactly why hell was on his mind right before he picked up that hammer.
3: Yikes. That was so crazy. I have been in that neighborhood for parties, for Halloween. Like, just, it's really close to Griffith Observatory. Like, yeah. Picturing it and then like just when you were describing like um, the houses are upside down is how Mm -hmm. I can explain it. So it's like when you walk in generally, I mean, I guess not all of them, but the ones that I've been in, you walk in like the front door and then there will usually be like a staircase that goes downstairs to the bedroom. Okay, But the kitchen and the living room and like usually a, a... uh, like a family room that yeah. out that you have like big windows and you can see to downtown is all on the main floor. So it's just the reverse of what we're kind of used to.
2: Okay, yeah. yeah.
3: Like where a basement would be downstairs. Well, in California, we don't have basements. Right, so right. You, you go down to bedrooms, but I, I don't know. It's just instead of bedrooms being on the main floor and then going up huh. to a kitchen, right? It's, yeah, oh, that was <laughs> just too much. And there are so many celebrities live there. I'm like, who owns that house now?
2: Yeah. Does you know, Rudy I,
3: still own it? I, did it go into <laughs> a trust?
2: No, I think. Now I'm trying to remember. I mean, I did look it up just to, for the pictures. Yeah. I, I pulled um, one of oh, the pictures so, off, off of a real estate site. Yeah. And I don't. I don't think it said who bought it. You know, like they don't. I don't think it's for sale. And uh, I, I want to say it was not as expensive as I imagined, like for that area. Yeah. I want to say under two million, maybe because it's not in good shape.
3: Yeah, because that because that that area was like right. popular ish, and yeah. then like in my decade of living in L.A., I just know that in that one decade, it went from being like eh to like the fucking hotspot. Oh, It's, okay. so like one celebrity. So when you are driving. I'm trying to think of what street that is. I think it's Los Feliz Boulevard when you're like driving across. You know where we went on that hike? Mm-hmm. Okay. So when you're kind oh, of Oh
2: yeah, yeah, no, I know roughly yeah. where it is too. So when
3: you like you have like the kind of like the flat area, but then right. as you go up, well in those flats it's like Katherine Heigl bought a house there, Joseph uh, L- Gordon okay. Levitt bought a house there. Like it just became like a celebrity hot spot.
2: Got it, got it. Like Brad
3: Pitt has a house like oh, somewhere wow. around there. Okay. Yeah. So it's just like that whole and then the oaks, the streets kind of to the left of where we started our uh-huh. hike. It's like this intricate winding neighborhood also became Like a big celebrity hotspot. I think it's just because it's not, it's not Beverly Hills, so it feels less bougie Mm -hmm. Um, and harder to like spy on people just because of the way that the neighborhoods are laid out. So everything is like, everyone's got a gated front driveway or what have you. Like it's just a, well, it's built into the side of a cliff mountain type situation. Mm Mm-hmm.
2: Let's get man. some pictures. Okay. This, uh This first I'm losing is a, this is a picture. Uh, yeah, it is always weirder when you kind of you can you know you've been there.
3: Picture the whole yeah. thing. I mean, the whole time I was picturing one of my friends' houses, yeah. even though it's not their house. But I was like, oh my god. That's yeah. So that's I mean, picture, exactly what I was thinking.
2: Yep, of the house. Um, oh my. God. Yeah, there's the gate you're talking about, the gated driveway. Yeah,
3: all of them have gated driveways.
2: And then just yeah, just going up there on the hill. And then this next picture is uh, same same angle, but just a picture taken at night.
3: Okay. So it looks spooky but like whatever all things look spooky and night. Now
2: they talked about a ghost in the window. This next picture is I'm not of that. Not excited about this. This is a ghost in this. I don't know if ah. that's a
3: <laughs> That's a good one.
2: I don't know if it's a ghost in that window, but that's a How
3: much is that ghost in the window? Little, boo that's, boo.
2: That's a little silly silly ghost uh Uh, decoration okay I'm just explaining I'm explaining for the people oh yeah
3: yeah yeah yeah. it's like one of those um, blow up ghost Halloween decorations where you put the front half on one side of the window outside and the other half on the inside of the house
2: and then uh, one more this is a newspaper clipping that shows a picture of the family so there's Judy you know just graduating high school the bottom there there, there's the whole family see the three kids and uh yep and dad mom there's a picture of I think that's like when the police showed up to the house there
3: I am immediately emailing my friend mm. this story. About this address. And then asking about, like, the whole thing. Because they have lived there for so long. Like, mm-hmm. I think that they have lived in that house for a solid 25 years.
2: Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah.
3: Because, like, thinking about her age, yeah, yeah, that seems... Okay, plausible. right. Yeah, because they have a son who's getting ready to go to college. So oh, yeah. he's like 18, 19. And I know that they lived in that house when I first met them. And their son was about six. And they had lived there for a little while. So mm-hmm. like, okay, in like the 20 to 20 plus year range. yeah, Surely this has come up. Yeah,
2: they probably know about it. Oh my
3: God, I can't wait. And she's into like spooky, like oh, okay. strange things. So cool. she won't be like, oh, don't tell me this.
2: And, and I just want to acknowledge that if I did flub more than normal there, I have the most annoying Mm. Tiny little cankers so that I get if I eat acidic foods too much, and I went heavy on the strawberry jam recently to my detriment. Yeah, and it's right on the tip of my tongue, and I feel it every time I say a single like every time I've pronounced anything. Well, and then so it's making me more mushy mouth than normal.
3: And then I will just say like before I dive yeah. into my stories, it has been the tech day oh from God. fucking hell. Uh, yes. Our entire internet where our studio is went out, but like not just here, it went out like, from for the here- region.
2: Yeah, for Excuse this, me, this, yeah, this entire I this, this entire area. <laughs> I know that, that actually what happened to you, that's so funny. Like when I do time suck, it's like I have I feel like become a master of being aware of when I have a burp forming. It's so weird. People like who don't um Podcast or speak professionally, it doesn't. I don't think you notice it as much in just normal conversation because when people are like talking in a group, whatever, somebody has like a little belch, or you can hide it or whatever. But when you have to speak in long stretches into a microphone, it's like yeah. your body—it's so annoying. <laughs> so it's just annoying. constantly just going like burp, just burp again. Yeah. Come on, burp. Oh, as soon as we Even like, if you didn't eat something, I, I didn't eat. I had a fucking smoothie I had like a fucking forever smoothie ago as well.
3: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's like the moment I sit down, all of yep. a sudden I have like the sniffles. Yeah. I need a lot of liquids in my mouth. I'm like, what is going on? I'm not nervous. Why is yeah. my body reacting? This way. But we had the Tech Day from Hell. There was like this huge internet outage. Yeah. Then we couldn't like print the stories because yep. like the, the whole situation. And then we, it took us four-
2: Five or something like that tries.
3: tries to get the show going, like just yeah. every tech problem that you can imagine. It, so we were it, a little <laughs> like frustrated going into it. Well,
2: And I realized like what my limit is with like, I've been pretty chill about like um, the whole COVID-19 quarantine, just rolling with it. Yeah, And like, yeah, whatever, okay, I can't tour. I'm just gonna put that on my mind. I'm gonna focus on this, thank God <laughs> I have this. Yeah. Thank God I have the times. And then when the internet went out this morning, that's yeah. when I'm like. Oh, this is gonna fucking break me.
3: Okay, but like, okay. If, like,
2: like if the internet went out for days and then I couldn't also podcast, it's like that's when I have a fucking breakdown. It's okay. like, okay, this is it's too much. Okay, too much.
3: Well, well, I think then that's like a good thing to be grateful for because mm-hmm. you know there are people who can't even afford the internet. So true, and they are be stuck grateful at home. for the internet. Yeah, so be grateful for. Your small wins during mm-hmm. COVID-19 True. lockdown. Okay. Well, are you ready to get a little spooked? I'll do the talking. Okay. Do you have your guy? I have my guy. He looks a little um, worn. You know, he was so bright and vibrant with color when we first got him. And now your sweaty hands have really.
2: <laughs> and I'm going to say, I keep, I know the, the squeaky microphone stand this. over there. So let's try and get it ready as much as you need it. And then try not to move it. For your I, mean, I try
3: not to, but. I know
2: you're more of a microphone mover than I am. You're constantly tweaking it. And...
3: Well, I like it to be just so. Okay. And then like I move, but I'm a fidgeter in general. You are. <laughs> what, did, uh, what, did, what did we call Monroe? Uh, and Herman. and Herman. Okay. I'm a and Herman. Can't help it. Okay. So again, our two stories both take place at military bases, which okay. I just am like fascinated that I was even able to make this happen for both of them, like just at random. So here we go. Our first story takes us to Camp Pendleton. Okay. Okay. So, hey, my name is Tanner. I'm a corporal in the Marine Corps stationed at Camp Pendleton, California. I've been a longtime fan of Dan's comedy and have listened to Time Suck religiously. Thank you. I recently found Scared to Death and was hooked. I have gone back and forth about submitting this story, but today I decided to do it. I've always been open to the paranormal and have seen and heard some weird things over my life. I even worked in a haunted restaurant back home in Oregon for a while but this is something that really bothered me. In late October, I was on duty at the battalion command post with another Marine. Duty consists of sitting on post for 24 hours and walking around the building or area every once in a while and making sure everything is safe and in good order. When you aren't walking around, you sit at a table near the front doors with a logbook where you record anything that goes on in your 24-hour post. Mm -hmm. Duty is usually the most boring time of your life. Marines dread seeing their name on the roster. The majority of our unit was off training, so the small group of Marines that stayed behind weren't doing much other than standing duty. This was my fourth shift in about two weeks. After a long day of answering phones and mind-numbing boredom, the rest of the Marines finally went home, leaving myself and the other Marine pretty much alone in the command post. I will give you a little layout of the building so that this story makes more sense. It is an old building and consists of two stories. Both stories are basically long hallways with lots of small offices and rooms on both sides of the hallway and, of course, the classic linoleum floors. The desk I was at was on the bottom floor next to the stairs. After all the Marines had gone home for the day, myself and the other made sure the building was empty, locked all the doors except for the front door. We sat around watching Netflix and ate some dinner and kept taking turns checking the area. Around 10 p.m., he took his Rest cycle, leaving me alone to monitor the building. I was watching Netflix and texting my wife for about an hour when I thought I heard a sound. Nothing out of the ordinary, just a thud. Mm -hmm. I finished the text I was typing to my wife and switched screens back to Netflix and leaned back in my chair. And then I heard it. The unmistakable sound of boots on linoleum. The sound of someone moving things around in one of the rooms upstairs. The hair on the back of my neck stood up. Not only could I hear the footsteps, I could feel them echoing through the old building. Who the fuck is working at 11 o'clock at night, I thought. The building was supposed to be empty. I walked up the stairs, stepped out into the hallway, and it went dead quiet. I checked both the exit doors. They were locked. A little shook up, I went back down to the desk and thought, I'm just tired. After a few minutes, it happened again. Only this time, I knew it wasn't me just being tired or my mind playing tricks. I heard footsteps go from one end of the building to the other side and more movement in the offices. My heart stopped. There's someone here, I thought. I cracked open the door to the small sleeping room next to the desk. I thought maybe the other Marine had snuck out and was just fucking with me. He was fast asleep, though. I raced up the stairs and searched every single room that was unlocked. Some of the offices were locked, and I hadn't heard a door open. So whoever it was had been in one of the unlocked rooms. There was no one. Feeling a lot more freaked out, I walked back down to the desk and sat down. Well, fuck, I thought. I tried to relax and kept watching Netflix. I figured nicotine would Mm -hmm. calm my nerves, so I put a dip in and tried to focus on my show. Just more footsteps, pounding loud steps that I could feel in the soles of my boots. Only this time they weren't upstairs. They were on the bottom floor in the hallway to my left. I leaned forward and looked down the hall. Nobody. But the footsteps kept getting closer. They stopped a few feet away from my desk. I was completely frozen. I felt a cold spot suddenly on my neck and Uh. shoulders. I shot up in a flash and was by the front doors in the small entryway. I walked backwards out the front door and stood staring into the building. I called my wife, who was at home with her friend and our roommate, who was in my platoon. He overheard the conversation and said, Yeah, dude, you didn't know the CP was haunted? I gathered my nerves and went back inside. I sat down with my back against the wall and waited for the other Marine to wake up so that I could go to sleep. Finally, he came out and said, "'Anything happen?' "'I didn't want him to think I was crazy, "'so I said, "'Yeah, I thought I heard something upstairs, "'but it's all clear.' (laughs) "'I went into the room and took off my boots, "'and after a while, I fell asleep. "'I tossed and turned and felt like "'I was being watched the entire time, "'but finally drifted off to sleep. "'In the morning, the next guys came to relieve us, "'and I got in my truck and drove home relieved. I "'I had duty a few times in the following weeks, "'but nothing like that happened. "'I will never forget that night. "'I had never had an experience like that before.' I've encountered ghosts before and heard things in the woods, but this chilled me to the bone. I hope you enjoyed my story. It definitely, I definitely didn't enjoy it at the time. Love the show, and I'm excited to see what you both do with it and how far it goes. Dan, I still wonder how Lindsay fell down the stairs and had her luggage on top of her on the way to that train. Tanner.
2: <laughs> Tanner, I think Lindsay also still wonders that. I wonder it. We're all confused. I don't wonder
3: it. I know how it happened.
2: Mm-hmm. Just How?
3: How? Because, okay, when you're going down an escalator, this mm-hmm. this is in reference to a stand-up bit Dan has about me, and I took a, fa- face, a face plant down an escalator. Okay, so you know when you're going down the escalator, da, 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 I was on one step, and the luggage was not the step behind me, but one up from that. So it was like a little bit higher than me, and I was holding it behind me. So when I fell, it just fell like I fell, and it fell after I fell on top of me.
2: <laughs> Does that make sense? Okay, yeah, that makes sense, yeah. So how about his little story? I know, uh, yeah, that whole thing of like the, um, the the steps continuing to get like closer, combined with the uh, extreme cold. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, I think he said on his neck,
3: on his neck and shoulders.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's super creepy.
3: Uh huh. And the fact that like somebody else was like, oh yeah, that place is haunted. Right,
2: right, right, right. Like, like, con- like confirmation. So, yeah, confirmation. Yeah. Anytime yeah. someone
3: can corroborate a story, it's like fuck. Right. And just to be like, to be there alone at night, mm-hmm. your friend is sleeping or like your coworker or yeah, whatever, yeah, but yeah. like, you know that there's no one else there. You know right. it in your right mind. That would just freak me out. Like if I was working in the, the studio. And you heard
2: it multiple times. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like if we heard, like, yeah, yeah. Fuck. Cause like, like if you heard somebody coming down the hall out there and then you pop out and there's nobody there
3: mm-hmm.
2: and then it happens night. over and over again Uh huh. Well, and then is- you feel like you hear it come right next to you and you feel something on your neck. Eek. Yeek. Yeek. Yeah. Right. Because this
3: is a secure building. You can't get in unless you have yeah. an office here. So, right.
2: You got to have a code. Yeah. Mm hmm.
3: Yikes. Does that make you not want to work alone here tonight? Uh,
2: no, no. I mean, I mean, it does. I mean, I go back and forth with that kind of stuff because, yeah, sometimes I definitely have this mentality of like, oh my God, please no. Uh-huh. I, I don't want anything like that to be anywhere around me. Right. And then, and then other times I just have thoughts of, um, you can't, you can't help yourself on that mic.
3: I got it. Well, because when I read, it has to be down low. But when I'm talking to you, it's different.
2: Okay. I think you just got to. Okay. Yeah.
3: Don't tell me what to do.
2: I don't. But, but mine stays the same whether I'm talking. You just
3: because you don't bend down as much as I do.
2: Ah. Uh. Okay. You're
3: stiff and you can't get there. So you mm. have you have to hold your book up and read like this. But uh, it, it actually makes a lot of shadows on my book and I can't see the words if I do that. Okay. So I have to keep my book down, which means my microphone <laughs> has to go down, which means my face has to go down. I'll have to go down. Okay. All right. All right. Fair enough. You guys see my but, life? See what I have to do?
2: But, but with the noise thing... Sometimes I don't want, you know, to hear anything like that because of the obvious terror it would give me. But then other times I do want to have that experience and I want to have a really intense one where I truly hear something that is like undeniably paranormal and then see something that's undeniably paranormal because what a cool story for one. And then also, uh, you know, I, I would be that much less skeptical.
3: Okay, but would you want to see it by yourself? See, I have to do that. (laughs)
2: <laughs> Ideally, no. Ideally I'd want to see it but with somebody else.
3: Would you want it to be with... me? Yeah,
2: that'd be good if we both okay, if, if we both saw it. I know. Stop doing your weird mic stuff. Okay, you just do your story now. <laughs> <laughs> now I now I did now I adjusted my mic, so maybe mm-hmm, okay.
3: mm-hmm. you don't it's just that yours doesn't make noise.
2: I know, I don't know what that is.
3: Well it's it's a squeaky, squeaky valve. Oh squeaks. Oh squeaks. Okay, you ready? Yeah. More military fun. I'm pretty excited. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to do this. I just want to make you nuts. (laughs) Hey, Dan and Lindsay, how the fuck are you? I'm fairly new to U2's Little Universe. I started listening to Time Suck after hearing my roommate play the Vlad the Impaler episode, and I've been addicted ever since, and I started to watch the Scared to Death podcast on YouTube. Just some info about myself and my wife, and this is essential to the setup. We are both very skeptical, but at the same time very susceptible and open-minded toward the possibility of other worldly dimensions and beings, etc. Her and I, before we even met, both had a lot of supernatural or unexplainable events occur throughout our childhoods. She was raised in Massachusetts, and I'm from Lancaster. Uh, he says, by the way, I heard you pronounce it before in a different video, and it's actually pronounced La- Lancaster, Lancaster, whatever. <laughs> I'm assuming Lancaster, Pennsylvania, yeah. and from Ohio, we say Lancaster. Okay. We are both pretty logical and not too easily frightened. This particular story is about my reoccurring nightmares over the course of a couple days from about a month ago. Her and I are both in the Navy, and I am stationed on J.E.B. in Little Creek, Virginia, living in barracks with a roommate. My barracks is fairly old, I think from about the 70s, and it's a little run down. It's five stories tall with about 500 rooms, and there is another wow. abandoned barracks because of renovations taking place, about the same size adjacent from mine. In between the two is a parking lot. The Chesapeake Bay is directly north of my base and is separated from my barracks by a golf course and a small lake, which is extremely dark and fucking creepy at night. Because we're so close to the bay, it's typically extremely windy outside on any given day. My base is fairly small in size and rather docile and empty, especially when compared to the one in Norfolk where my wife is stationed. Mm -hmm. At night, it's eerily quiet and always super dark. Some of the light posts that illuminate the parking lot on the sidewalks are motion activated. However, they will sometimes turn off as you walk beneath them and then reactivate once you're out of its range. So it works backwards. Yeah, yeah. So just that alone freaked us out sometimes when we would get back here really late or leave super early in the morning. She would spend the night with me in my room as often as she could given her having to stay on her ship some nights to work. My room is tiny. It's one room with a kitchenette attached and then a small room connected by a door which leads to our bathroom. On one wall of the kitchenette is a closet for both my roommate and I and the other wall houses a refrigerator and a sink. There are a total of three mirrors in the kitchenette and one is oddly placed because the thing it reflects is the fridge. Weird, yeah. As for the other two, one is above the sink, and the final one is a full-body mirror which faces my bed head-on. So as I'm lying in bed, I can pretty much see myself in the mirror. This gives me the creeps in general, because as you know, mirrors can be fucking scary without even being scary. With all the lights off, it's extremely dark in the room, as the only window is covered by a completely opaque blind. There's pretty much That's pretty much it for the background and layout of everything. And so here goes the story of my night terrors. I had already slept in here by myself and with my wife for a couple weeks before everything happened. This night, she had to stay for work on her ship. So as usual, after being on the phone with her, I started to scroll through my phone getting ready to sleep. My roommate was already asleep and the lights were off. I stayed, as I stated earlier, it's completely dark. But once your eyes adjust, you can see slightly in the darkness. After about 20 minutes of scrolling, I decided to settle into bed and fall asleep for the night. As I'm lying there, I open my eyes because the room feels noticeably off. I felt it felt creepy, and I swear I could feel a presence, or maybe eyes burning as they were staring at me in my direction. I'm kind of used to this feeling, so I tried to blow it off and go to sleep. But then I closed my eyes. As I closed my eyes, I noticed the corner of my room. The corner of the kitchen with one of the closet doors open. The corner is so fucking dark. Mm -hmm. I don't know how to describe it. It seemed as if the blackness was growing slowly, creeping closer to my bed. I stared at the evil and menacing corner, my heart beating faster, hoping my eyes were deceiving me, because as I'm looking, I see a pitch-black silhouette of a head, darker than the rest of the room, darker than the rest of the blackness that surrounded it peeking around the corner of the closet door. The head shoots out around the door, looking at me for only a second or two, and then returns, and then peeks, and then returns back inside the closet out of my view. By the time I turn my flashlight on, there's nothing there. Or maybe there was nothing to begin with. So I get up, close the closet door, use the bathroom, and return to bed and go to sleep. I then wake up confused as to how much time had passed, and I'm fucking frozen absolutely frozen with fear the closet door is now open returned to its position as if i had never closed it hours before the corner where the closet is at is so dark once again I can't see anything in the reflection of the mirror that faces my bed. I can't even see the mirror, as if something's blocking it. The corner with the closet is so dark, but I can't stop staring. Then I hear whispers, the unintelligible fast whispers. It sounds as if they aren't coming from the corner, but they're in my head. They're so overwhelmingly loud, growing louder and louder, speaking faster and faster, and I can tell... I'm panicking. I'm losing control of myself. I can't scream or do anything to wake up my roommate. I can just feel the intensity of the room increasing. I know it's dead quiet, but it felt so overwhelmingly fucking loud. I Mm. can't stop staring at the corner. It won't let me break my gaze. Louder and louder, the whispers in my head grow. I'm losing more and more control, and I feel as if the tension is going to cause my heart to burst. And then, out of the sporadic whispering, I finally hear one word. Lose. I hear clear as day and then almost an orb of darkness which seems to sprint out of nowhere gets up on all fours, bursts free from the corner, lunging itself onto my bed. In a last ditch effort to save myself, I pull the covers up over my head. I feel the bed indent as it moves up on my bed closer to my face my heart is fucking pounding and I can feel it almost on my chest the weight of it pushing the mattress down next to my body I almost can feel myself falling through the bed because the weight is so intense I hear myself sort of moaning just trying to get a scream or something out and then I wake up I, sh- I, sh- I sit up straight in bed panting what the fuck just happened I thought <laughs> it's
2: a crazy nightmare
3: I look towards the corner the closet door is still as closed as when I left it When I went to sleep, it was just a nightmare, a horrible nightmare. I don't know how long it took me to fall back asleep that night, but I was finally able to. When I woke up in the morning, I texted my wife what had happened, promising to explain further when we saw each other later that day. She was absolutely terrified, but at least it was over, or so I thought. A few nights later, I'm sleeping alone, just my roommate, already fast asleep. The same thing. The same exact fucking dream. Me waking up, looking into the dark corner, the head peeking out from the closet, and then the fucking whispering. I still can't remember the whispering. Then another and then another clearly said word from the whispering, and then the jumping on the bed, and the whole thing. And then I wake up. It floods my body with chills as I'm writing this shit just a month later. A couple days after the second occurrence of my nightmare, my wife is able to stay in the room with me. Mm -hmm. She asks me to close the bathroom door and to make sure the closet door is closed, as I usually do now. We watch some YouTube videos together, and then after a while, we put our phones down and fall asleep. I wake up in the middle of the night, and this time, it's not of my own accord, but it's my wife shaking me. She said, I heard the fucking whispering, Cole. I fucking heard it. I could hear the terror and shake in her voice. I try to console her and calm her down. She eventually relaxes enough to roll back over and attempt to fall asleep. But I can't. I can feel it. The room. I can feel the tenseness in the room. The presence. I lay there next to my wife as time passes and I can't fucking fall asleep. My eyes are glued open. I knew we had to get some sleep, so I turn over to her and tell her that I can't do it. I can't sleep in this room. She said that she felt it too and could no longer remain there either. So after discussing it, we Mm -hmm. decide that we're going to get up and go to my car to sleep for a few hours. So we both get up, get dressed, and walk out of my room onto the balcony and head towards the common area stairwell. I just remember how windy and cold and dark it was outside that night. We ran to my car faster than we've ever run in our lives. It felt as if something was watching us the whole time, whether it was from one of the balconies, or from the dark foliage near the lake, or somewhere else. We finally get into my car and lock the doors. It was so eerie and creepy, but I felt a lot better out there. Still, my wife felt really uncomfortable. She feared she would open her eyes and somebody would be standing next to the car looking through the window <laughs> as a, at us as we slept. So it's about 2 a.m. and we have to get up at 4 so we can go back to my room so she can change into her uniform and get ready for work. And then I would leave to drop her off at her ship. I could go back to sleep after I dropped her off, so I told her just relax. Everything is fine for now and I'll stay up longer to make sure that she could fall asleep. Mm-hmm. After she'd been asleep for a little while, I got comfortable and dozed off. At 4 a.m., her alarm went off, and we readied ourselves to head back inside. We opened the doors to get out and started walking towards the barracks. We are about 15 feet from the door when we hear, Hey! It wasn't super loud, but it sounded like it came from far away. We couldn't determine where it had come from. We just looked at each other and ran towards the door. When we finally reached the door, my wife asked if she had heard it speak a second time, Mm -hmm. to which I said no. But she swore she heard something, say it again, and then and then we had started to run. Regardless, we made it to my room and got dressed extremely fast before going back to my car and fucking dipping out. I haven't had the dream since, yet I won't sleep in my room by myself, nor can I be in there in the dark by myself. Even if it's daytime or if I'm just trying to get back to sleep, I don't care. My room's fucking creepy. I still sleep in here every night, but I sleep with the door open so that outside light floods the room enough for me to feel safe. Anyways, thanks so much for listening. You deserve so much more recognition than you guys have at the moment. Your media is so entertaining and your relationship is so wholesome. (laughs) I have more stories from earlier in my life that I'll write back at another time. P.S. If this story gets featured, would you be so kind to shout out to my wife, Amber? I would appreciate it. She left for deployment in January. Uh, and I can't wait to show her your podcast when she uh, when we see each other again. I love you, Amber. Thanks again. And keep killing it.
2: Uh, thanks, Amber. And uh, th- yeah, thanks for your service. Stay safe. And yeah, we and look forward to you hearing this episode down the road whenever you get a chance to listen to this stuff.
3: Yeah. That's fucking weird, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. Just like the weird dreams combined with like her corroborating something from the dream, and then hearing a voice, like a disconnected voice, that seems to be like the same voice that you did hear in your dream. Mm-hmm. Like, what a weird blending, right? Of of sleep, of nightmares and reality. There, uh huh. I mean, that would definitely freak me out if I had some super vivid lucid dream,
3: mm-hmm.
2: and then. Somebody else Me. Somebody I don't know
3: who else you're snuggling with, so. <laughs>
2: right, right. Oh, Gigi, Gigi and Penny Pooper.
3: Oh man. If Penny was like, <laughs> you
2: know, like whatever however she talks. Um, How does she
3: talk? <laughs> I, don't,
2: I don't know, however a dog is supposed to talk. Uh, <laughs> but like yeah, like if if you then also
3: Yeah, Yeah. It's like you would have to have a nightmare. It would almost be like this. It would almost be like if you were on the road touring and had a weird Mm. nightmare, and then somehow that nightmare... Actually, would have to happen to me first, because it would have to be at our house. Right,
2: right, right. Like somewhere
3: that you're consistently at, because he's consistently sleeping in his barracks. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... As it were, Mm -hmm. sleeping's been a real challenge lately. Yeah. be fine. You've been
2: freaked out a lot last month.
3: Yeah, I don't know if (coughs) it's like... um, I almost think it's... You're excused. I almost think it's just like the culmination of the stories. Mm -hmm. You know, like, it just week after week after week if it's starting to just kind of like weigh on me and as we mm-hmm. say every week i mean the stress of everything that's happening in the world so you're just kind of like a little um yeah. run, run down
2: that makes sense you know yeah
3: uh and i'm not preoccupied with the same kind of things like normally when i go to bed i think like okay tomorrow i have to like get up get the kids ready like that's how i right. fall asleep as i just rattle off a list of things to do yeah my list of things to do is very small <laughs> I mean, it is, you know, yeah. it's like get up, go to work, but I don't have like the same responsibilities with the kids right now. Cause mm-hmm. there's, there's no like, oh my God, did Monroe finish that project? Yeah, or like, yeah, yeah. okay, Kyler's yeah. got this after school. Like life has slowed down in a significant mm-hmm. way. So, but my new favorite trick. Okay. Okay. So, I've been doing this every night, and it doesn't even keep you up, which okay. is good, is my little my new little nightlight situation.
2: Oh, yeah, where you use your uh, the light on the back of the cell phone, and then, yeah. yeah, just to get a little bit more light. So, like,
3: my iPhone case has not a pop socket, but a similar kind of thing on it, mm-hmm. so my phone doesn't lie flat anymore when you put it down um, on its back. So, I can turn the flashlight on to, like, you know, there's, like, four. I pick, like, two, and then I put it down, and it just gives off just enough light. But last night,
1: mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> when you undid the bed we have like extra pillows because we have decorative pillows which you know some people like john huck might say is (laughs) fucking awful yeah uh but they were like
2: (laughs) oh the way i stacked them the way i took them off the mirror is like this and then there's like one
3: big pillow and then a smaller pillow and they're kind of like leaning up against each other and the mirror's back here and i looked up and i was like oh my god and then i
2: what if that's what i need to sleep what if like like you need an extra light to sleep What if I need a creepy little statue to put by the mirror and to wear like a mask to sleep, like a monster mask?
3: Okay, if you need that, then Mm -hmm. you have to sleep on the mirror side and then I'll sleep on – we have to switch Mm -hmm. sides because then I can roll – I can turn my back to you and not have any mirrors.
2: So I do do get to sleep with a monster mask if that's what I need.
3: That's fine. Okay. Like who's your monster? Who are you going to be?
2: I don't know. Shadow person mask?
3: (laughs) I don't know if that's a mask. (laughs) That's it? That's I what you got. <laughs> I was just trying to
2: think of something that would scare you.
3: Uh, well, Stranger Things, just like a little update without giving away anything about the show. But
2: yeah, you're better about that show now.
3: Yeah, yeah. Now that You've I understand now that I understand what's happening, yeah. I feel much better.
2: You've accepted the upside down.
3: Well, yeah, because well, I don't want to give anything away, but it just doesn't feel as the flea,
2: the flea on the tightrope.
3: It doesn't carry the same validity for me.
2: Okay. Like yeah, it, it definitely, we all, we all, yeah. We all have our things. It feels like it
3: feels very much like a made-for-TV show. It doesn't feel like based on true, true happenings. What is it? Based,
2: based, on, based on a true story. Thank
3: you. <laughs> true happenings. It's, it's kind it's of going to be my next podcast. It, it's, true it's, happenings. It's based
2: on some true happenings. No, it's not. Mm-hmm. Project MK Ultra. That was a real CIA project. That They've is, taken a lot of liberties.
3: Uh, yeah, but, but they reference like, true things. They they reference MK Ultra once, and and how they reference that it that
2: makes the whole show true. <laughs> That's how it works. <laughs>
3: <laughs> By referencing, uh-huh. if you mean showing one.
2: There's a document. They said the words MK Ultra. That's it. Hence, every single thing that has happened on that show is absolute truth.
3: I was trying to squeak it. I know. <laughs> I just want to make you mad. But that's it. Oh, there it is. <laughs> what are you
2: doing? That's not making me mad. It's making everybody else mad.
3: No, every no, nobody cares. No one's even complained about that.
2: Mm, I get so many complaints.
3: Hey guys. Um so you know how you can email us at info at dot com. Mm-hmm. I'm having a serious hip problem. So if you've got solutions to end hip pain, <laughs> Oh, my hip hurts. Oh, my hip hurts. My hip hurts so bad it woke me up last night. It's so weird. It's like this very severe pinch right in the the joint. And I am in a lot of pain. So if you have any solutions, you can email me or any other updates at info at com. Dan will tell you the rest of the things you need to know this fucking <laughs> I hurts know, under I, here I feel, I'm dying
2: I want to do the voice more just because kind of not that so much at home and it's just to show with a, an annoying glimpse of our life Yeah, that is it is the most annoying thing to do but it's also kind of fun to do to somebody like no matter what they say just say the last few words of what they said in an annoying dumb voice and it's infuriating
0: infuriating <laughs>
2: Exactly. You just do that for a long period of time.
0: Long time. Oh, a long time. Oh, oh I'm doing oh, so cool. oh,
2: Oh, oh me my out. Hurts. I'm a lady. Oh, I like scary masks and mirrors. Oh, oh, oh. oh check me out. Okay, what a weird <laughs> ending. This is all for
3: today. This is my life. This, this. If if you're not following us on Instagram, you might not know, but there's a lot of this happening in our house.
2: Please keep sending in your personal tales of terror to my story at scared it, it adds so much to the show. It's uh, it is weird that horror is such a great distraction. But, I know, but I, but it's like I don't know what that is, but I love it. Like I, I was kind I of yeah, kind of grumpy today, kind of stressed out about some, just frustrated with some work stuff. Yeah, and then coming here, and I'm like, okay, well at least I just get to be entertained by some stories, get to tell some stories, and it's so fun.
3: Well, I think it's so fun partly because like COVID nineteen is very fucking real. Right. Mm -hmm. Like even if it's not happening directly to you or to your family, it is affecting your life. Right. So while it's not like a tangible thing that you can touch, it has tangible effects on your life. This, you have to suspend everything and just let your mind go there. And so you don't know if it's real. You don't know if it's not. And I think in a time where things are, a very real thing is very stressful. It's helpful to just, it's escapism, Dan.
2: It is, it's good escapism. It is,
3: and we're just so grateful for you awesome fans. Yes,
2: we are. Thank you. And I just had the weirdest thought about COVID-19 and hauntings. I just thought, like, how great would it be if somehow the virus could transfer to demons and ghosts and you had, like, some stupid ghost or, like, shadow person or whatever that, like, wouldn't leave you alone and that son of a bitch got COVID-19 and got, like, a bad case. (laughs) So you hear that's like haunting like oh, girl kill you like whatever the thing is normally doing. Okay. And now it's like oh my- <coughs> <I'll> kill you <coughs> And it just gets wheezier and wheezier and then eventually Boy, you just hear you're
3: like, a good actor.
2: <coughs> and then you just hear a thump. Like that's when the ghost body's hitting the ground.
3: That's and when then- the ghost body's
2: hitting
0: the ground. All
2: right. For everything else, send it to send emails to info at scaredtodeathpodcast.com. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, uh, you're proud of yourself in that last one. Thank you for listening or watching Scared to Death, Bad Magic Production. Oh, why am I looking over there? Thanks for the uh to the Bad Magic Productions team. Uh Joe Paisley producing and directing. Uh we now have Logan and Kate Keith uh doing the social media. They also do our merch. Yeah. So all the so cool awesome. merch design spicy club, they're handling more now. Uh Zach Flannery running the board again today. He's all Joe's been training them all up. He's doing a great job. Sophie Evans, uh, continuing to find more creepy stories.
3: Our awesome writer producer Mm-hmm.
2: And thanks to Joe Paisley, Zach Cohen, and Jeffrey Montoya for the sound beds. And Heather Rylander.
3: Don't forget Heather.
2: Mm-hmm. For the My Story at Scared to death emails. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram uh, at Scared to Death Podcast. That is where we post the pictures from the shows as well if you can't watch and, and, and are listening. Subscribe to Bad Magic Productions on YouTube. Enjoy your nightmares, creeps, and peepers and hope you were scared to death.
0: Oh, I hope you're scared to death. I hope you're so scared. Oh, I hope you're frightened.
2: If spirits threaten me in this place,